Good morning, church. Hey, it's good to see you guys. I hope you had a great Christmas and New Year. It's been a couple weeks for me and Meg since we've been here. I was telling people setting up, I was like, man, I, I, I feel like, wow, it's really good to be here. I, I miss being here. Uh, I know for us, we went to Alabama, uh, which we're kind of in mourning right now that Nick Saban has retired, so um, pray for us. But um, so anyways, we went to Alabama. We got to play cards and dominoes and eat good food and just hang out with Meg's family and, and worship with their church family. And it was a really great, refreshing time for us. And as we were there, I started to ask God because I, I had to, you know, I get to choose today what I was going to speak about. And I don't always get to do that. And so I was like, God, you know, please help me to hear what you want to say to the church to start the year off and help me to hear what you want me to hear for my life. And so I didn't really go into the break with an agenda, but by the end of it, it was very evident that there was just this theme that kept coming up over and over and over again. And so part of that theme, we're going to unpack it later, but part of it is that I felt God was saying, Preston, you need to keep growing. You need to grow and you need to help the church grow. And so that, that is my goal today. It's my, my heart this morning is I want to help everybody grow and start the year off focused on how we can grow spiritually. And I believe if we can grow individually, spiritually, that we're going to grow as a church spiritually, and we're going to grow in our impact as a church, in our community, which is really important um, when it comes to being the body of Christ. And so some of you might get really excited about the idea of growing. Some of you might be fired up at this time of the year. It's January, and you're like, I got my goals. I just joined a gym. I'm ready. And then others of you are like, Mama. Mama is Meg, my wife's uh, grandma. She just passed away this past year. She was 89 years old, but a couple years ago, uh, in, in her, in her mid-80s, uh, Meg's brother, Cade, went up to Mama and said, Mama, you got any goals for the new year? And Mama said, well, I reckon if I haven't done it now, I'm not going <laughs> to. And, and some of y'all might feel like that. You say, hey, new year, same me. And, and you might have some limiting beliefs. You might have... Uh, a view of yourself that actually is keeping you from growing. And so this morning, I want to help you grow. So if you got a Bible or a Bible app, go ahead and open it up. We're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 1 this morning. 1 Peter chapter 1. And just for some context before we jump in. So uh, 1 Peter was written by a guy named Peter who was a follower of Jesus, one of his closest followers, and who was an influential leader in the early church. And Peter wrote this letter to a group of persecuted Christians in order to help them keep their faith and to keep following Jesus, these scattered exiles across the Roman Empire. And so we're going to discover from the Word of God how we can grow to start this year off. So here we go. First Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 22. This is the Word of God. Since you have purified yourselves by your obedience to the truth... So that you show sincere brotherly love for each other from a pure heart, love one another constantly. So Peter starts off the section by saying, guys, church, hey, I know you're being persecuted. I know you're experiencing trials and suffering, but love each other constantly, passionately. Why? Why did he say that? Verse 23, because you have been born again. So love each other because you've been born again. How? how? How had this group of Christians been born again? Not of imperishable seed, or sorry, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. So Peter starts off by saying, hey, love each other, care about one another deeply because you've been born again 
And you've been born again by the living and enduring word of God. It's not perishable seed, it's imperishable. So here's, here's kind of the first thing I want us to see this morning, that God's word gets us in. So what do I mean by that? So Peter said, love each other because you've been born again. Well, what does that mean? What did Peter mean when he said that, that this group of Christians have been born again? Well, if you're new, if you're not a follower of Jesus or you're new to this whole church thing, first of all, thanks for being here today. We really appreciate you being here on this faith journey with us. Uh, we love you and want to help you any way we can. But what does it mean to be born again? It means that all people, because uh, really because of the sin of Adam and Eve from the beginning, we all have a sinful human nature. We all have a tendency to disobey God, to be selfish, to want what we want, um, to be greedy, whatever that ex the expression is. And so to be born again means that we are given a new heart. In the same way that a baby is physically born, we have to be spiritually reborn. We have to have a new heart. We have to be, on one hand, forgiven of all of our sins and our guilt and our shame is, is dealt with in Jesus. But not only are we forgiven of our sins, we're actually filled with the Holy Spirit. So we need to be forgiven and filled and given a new heart so that we can have new desires. I think about Jesus when he's talking to, to Nicodemus. Some of you have been watching The Chosen maybe and you, you've seen that scene with Jesus and Nicodemus. And Jesus told Nicodemus, you can't enter the kingdom of God unless you've been born again. You have to be born again. And so he says, you've been born again, not just through perishable seed, but imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. So the word of God has helped cause us to get in. The word of God got them in, it gets us in. If you're a Christian today, you've been born again, you've been given a new heart because the word of God, this imperishable seed has caused you to be born again. So what does that mean, that the Word of God gets us in? Well, I think of Second uh, Timothy chapter 3. When we talk about the Word, I think as Christians, we're so used to talking about Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, that all Scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, and that the man or woman of God may be complete, fully equipped for every good work. Like, we've heard that if you've grown up in church before. But what you probably haven't heard quite as much is verse 15. The, the verse right before it, in which Paul told Timothy, this leader that he's raising up in the church, he says, from your infancy, you have known the sacred scriptures, which have given you wisdom for salvation through faith in Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful for. So here's what Paul told Timothy. He said, Timothy, since you were a young child, you have read the Jewish scriptures, specifically in that case, but now for us, the whole Bible, obviously. You've read the scriptures, and they made you wise for salvation. In other words, the scriptures have helped you be born again. The scriptures got you in. Why? Because when they read the written word, it pointed them to the living word. The scriptures gave you wisdom for salvation through faith in Jesus. In other words, when they read about sin and they read about a sacrifice and they read about the need of a messiah to come and redeem and restore they realize wait a minute i'm broken i'm messed up i'm sinful i need someone outside of myself to come and save me and so the word of god for the christians that peter was writing to and for you and me today the word of god gets us in it has helped us come to faith in jesus has gotten us into jesus into the family of god into the kingdom of god so the word of god gets us in. That's where he starts. And then Peter's going to continue to talk about the word. Verse 24. For all flesh 
is like grass. <laughs> what? And all its glory like a flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flower falls. But the word of the Lord endures forever. And this word is the gospel that was proclaimed to you. So Peter uh, talks about, guys, you've been born again. Love each other because you've been born again into this family. The word of God got you in. And then he quotes Isaiah chapter 40, verses 6 through 8. And he says that this word is living and enduring. It doesn't fade. It's, it's permanent. He gives these two pictures of grass and flowers. So the word of God, it, it's like green, luscious, vibrant grass. And it's beautiful. And it grows up. It's like a flower that stands beautiful and tall. And yet, unlike the word of God, when it comes to our flesh, it's like grass that withers. It dies. And it, unlike the word of God, our flesh is like a flower that, that falls. So our flesh, or our, just this human body, people, people aren't like the word of God. The word of God is living and enduring and permanent. Flesh is for now. Like we're going to be in this fleshly body now for a short time, but God's word is forever. So Peter says, you've been born again through this living and enduring word of God. You're not going to live forever, but God's word will. So for Christmas break, I'm talking with, uh, with my father-in-law, Greg. And uh, I love Greg. He's an incredible guy. But he, he's turning 59. And so we celebrated his birthday party. And so I said, Greg, uh, how are you experiencing the speed of life? And he said, well, he said, it's really strange. And I know some of you right now, you're thinking, 59, that's a spring chicken. And others of you are thinking, how does someone live to be that old? But uh, he's turned 59, and, and so he said, Preston, he said, my, my 30s were just like, you know, super chill, super smooth, just normal. He said, and then my 40s were, boom, just gone. Some of y'all are nodding right now. I see the heads nodding. He said, my 40s just flew by. And he said, and then my 50s, he said, I just, I feel like I just turned 50. And I'm turning 59, and I'm going to be 60 next year. And I think that really hit him. I think turning 60 was really affecting him. And I know talking to Meg that that's affected her too, to think about her dad turning 60. And so it's almost like the speed limit, right? Like if, you've been, if you're driving in your car and you're driving 20 miles an hour, it feels like when you're 20 years old, you're moving about 20 miles an hour. And then when you turn 60, it feels like you're moving 60 miles an hour. It feels like life's just flying by. And so that's the picture of, People, flesh, are so fleeting, so here one moment and gone the next. But the word of God is living, it's enduring, it lasts forever. So Peter says the word of God got you in, it's living and enduring. And then he says now there's some changes that need to take place in your life. Chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, so in light of the word getting us in, it's living and enduring, in light of all that, therefore... Rid yourselves of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all slander. Like newborn infants, desire the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow up into your salvation, if you have tasted that the Lord is good. So Peter told this group of Christians, look guys, the word has got you in. It's living, it's enduring, it's lasting, unlike you. And because you've been born again, you have a new heart, a new family, new identity, stop living the way you used to. Stop having that way of thinking. Stop having those old desires. Stop behaving that way. Get rid of all that. 
And instead, here's what you need to do. Desire the pure milk of the word. And the picture he gives is one like a baby. It's like an infant. So just picture, maybe you have a baby right now. Uh, maybe you're a, a grandparent, and so you got a little grandkid. We all, we all know what it looks like, right? That, that little baby that just wants milk, that's craving milk, that's got to have it. That's just, it's got its hands reached out, and it's crying, and it wants the milk. And as soon as it gets that bottle, it's boom, down, gone. It's done, right? And those babies crave milk. And so here's the question. Do you crave the milk of God's word? Do you hunger and desire to be in the word of God, to read his word, to meditate on it, to obey it, to share it with other people? Are you like a, an infant? And, and here's the reason why that's so important. Peter said, uh, desire the pure milk of the word. Why? Why should we do that? So that by it, by the pure milk of the word, you may grow up into your salvation. See, here's what Peter's saying. The word of God got you in, and the word of God grows you up. The word of God is the key to growing up into your salvation. Now, I think this is, this is really important for a lot of reasons, but one, I would say this. I would say, I, I think that not everybody who's a Christian really thinks intentionally about, am I growing up in my faith? Am I growing up into my salvation? And depending on what stream you run and what type of church you're in, I don't really blame you necessarily because some churches really focus exclusively almost, it seems like, at getting people in. Now, obviously, we need to emphasize getting people in. Because what Jesus taught and what we believe is that if someone is not in, that they're separated from God, that they've sinned, that they're broken, that they need to get back into a relationship with God through faith in Jesus. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. We just sang about it. No one comes to the Father except through me. So if we love people, we've got to help people put their faith in Jesus and get in and be born again. So that's a good thing. But here's the reality. If we only talk about getting people in and we never talk about growing people up, we're just going to have a bunch of immature Christians. Now, some of you might be thinking, well, Preston, I'm glad you're talking to them today how they need to grow. <laughs> and, and here's a couple of things that, that you might be thinking, well, Preston, I'm glad you're talking to them that they need to grow because, I, I mean, I've been a Christian for so long. I've been a Christian for 20, 30, 40 years now. I'm glad you're talking to these young people that they need to grow. And here's the reality is, is that just because you're physically old doesn't mean that you're spiritually mature. You can be old and you can be very worldly. It's very possible. Now, some of you might be thinking, well, Preston, uh, I'm glad that you're talking to them that they need to grow because... There's only lost and saved people, and I'm saved. And, and these lost people in the room right now, they really need to grow. And again, the, it is important to help people get in, but here's the reality. We all know that it's not just lost and saved. That another way of thinking about it is it's hot, it's cold, and it's lukewarm. So you can, you can be lost and saved, but it's what kind of lost and saved are you? And so some of you guys... You've been born again. Praise God. That's great. You have a new heart. You've been forgiven. You have the gift of the Holy Spirit. That is incredible. But are you growing up? 
Have you begun to mature? Are you really putting off the old way of living and becoming more like Jesus? Is that, is that true of you? And so an, an, another way of saying it is Paul in 1 Corinthians, he told the church in Corinth, he said, some of you are acting carnal. In other words, you're acting like your flesh is ruling you. You're acting worldly. So it's possible to be saved and to be lukewarm. It's possible to be saved and to be carnal and to be dominated by your fleshly desires. And so some of you today, yes, you need to be born again. Some of you do need to put your faith in Jesus for the first time, and you need a new heart. George Whitfield, uh, the greatest uh, evangelist in American history, he, he preached like thousands and thousands and thousands of times. And one time he was riding down the, the East Coast, and he just kept preaching the message, you must be born again from John 3. You must be born again. You must be born again. And everywhere he went, he said, you must be born again. And one day a woman came up to him and said, because he would talk to both Christians and non-Christians, and she said, why do you keep telling us that we got to be born again? He said, because you must be born again. <laughs> Some of you think you've been born again because you've gone to church. Some of you think you've been born again because you made a profession of faith or you got baptized once, or because you've inherited a heritage in a denomination, whatever, your parents were pastors, whatever. You might think you've been born again. Some of you need to be born again. But then there's others of you, you've been born again, but you got to grow up. It's time to mature. It's time to, to become more like Christ. And so when I think about this, I think about, you know, for myself, I think about, okay, how did this happen for me? How have I grown? Obviously, I don't have everything together. I'm far from it. But I have experienced a lot of spiritual growth since I've been a Christian. How did that happen for me? And I've told the story before about, you know, wanting to be a football coach and wanting to go into Ole Miss and trying to da-da-da-da, work in the SEC, all that good stuff. And um, when I was at Ole Miss, I actually lived in a campus ministry house right off campus. And what I found is that I had to, you know, wake up and go to the, the field house, this beautiful complex and all this stuff. And I found more and more that I didn't want to do that. I found this new desire suddenly that I just wanted to read the Bible. And that might sound really basic to a guy who's supposed to preach for a living. Like, I get that. But, like, I, I wasn't always this way. Like, I didn't always have that desire. And it was in that season of just, man, I'm just reading the Bible more and more and more that God really grew me. And Peter says, you've got to desire the pure spiritual milk of the word so that you may grow up into your salvation. And here's what we've got to do. We've got to read the Bible daily. We've got to read the Bible daily. It's, it's pretty simple. It's not complicated. But here's what I, I see. I was in Alabama. And I'm sitting down for lunch with two guys. One's a pastor. Actually, uh, oh, is Garrett in here? Or is he back with the kids? What is the name of the university he's at? Liberty. Liberty. Oh, my gosh. I, I should know that. Um, I was blanking. So this, there's a guy, actually, who he's like the, he like coaches the dorm leaders or something. I don't know. At Liberty. Great guy. And then there's another guy who's the discipleship pastor at Meg's parents' church. Big mega church, Baptist church, awesome church, making disciples. Really is a great church. But as we're talking with these two guys, this theme starts to come up. And the theme was, they said, you know, one of the biggest problems that we see in, in Christians, church and church people, is they said, and again, great organization, great church, but they said one of the biggest problems we see is that 
people just want to come in on Sunday morning and hear the preacher talk about God's word. And, and for some of them, for the church in Alabama, the discipleship pastor, it's even a step further. It's not only that they want to come in and say, hey, pastor, preach the word, man, preach the word. Then they want to go to Bible class and have the teacher talk about God's word for 45 more minutes. Now I'm all for teaching the Bible. That's what I do. <laughs> um, but here's the problem. If I only come and say, I need to get fed. You ever heard people talk like that? I, I need to get fed. Come feed me, pastor. Okay, well, yeah, I'm going to do that. Then they go to Bible class and teach me, teacher, feed me the word. And then they go home and they listen to another sermon on their podcast. And then they read a Christian devotional book that's really just a person talking about the Bible. And they never get in the Bible. They never for themselves hunger and crave the pure milk of the word so much so that they say, you know what? I'm going to commit the time to do this on my own. I'm going to commit the time to do this daily. I need the word. They, they don't say, well, I ate, I ate last Sunday. I had lunch Sunday afternoon, and I, hey, I'll eat again next Sunday. No, no one says that. You eat three times a day, most of you. And so we've got, we've got to read the Bible. We've got to get in the word. I think about not just myself, not just what's true in terms of other churches and leaders that I've seen, I think about, I've brought this up so many times before, I put in the campus email, the video about it, but the, the Center for Bible Engagement and the study that they did of thousands of Americans and what they found is that people who read the Bible zero, one, or two days a week, it basically does nothing for you. If you come to church and you listen to me teach the Bible, which I'm committed to teaching the Bible every single time I speak, but if you only do that, nothing's going to happen. You're not going to grow up into your salvation. What they found is that on the third day, if, you, if you'll come to church on Sunday, listen to the Bible, read the Bible, and if you'll read Monday and Tuesday, if you'll read three days a week, there's a little blip of a difference that it makes in your life. Now, I know that kind of, you might not really like that. Like, oh, God's word always makes a difference. Well, according to the study of thousands of Americans, it really didn't makes that big of a difference. It makes a little bit of a difference. But once people got to four or more days in the Bible a week, what they found is that it just exploded off the charts in terms of the difference it makes in people's lives. Specifically, it helped people break through spiritual apathy. If you ever just felt like, no, oh, I just, I'm numb and I don't, I don't really care and I just feel lost. It helped people break through that. It helped people who struggled with pornography addiction to overcome that. It helped people who felt anxious and depressed to not feel that way uh, as much anymore. It helped people who um, struggle with alcoholism to, to overcome dealing with that. And then on the positive side, it helped people share their faith like crazy. It helped people make other disciples like crazy. It helped people experience joy like crazy. So here's what I'm, this is what I'm trying to tell you in a bunch of different ways, as many ways as possible. And you already know this. Everything that you long for peace of mind, joy, loving relationships, purpose, a family to be a part of, everything that you're, you're longing for, the root of that life comes from reading the Bible all the time, just soaking it up and hearing God's voice and connecting with God and obeying God. Reading the Bible is going to help you grow up in your salvation.
All right, so now I'm going to take my preacher's hat off. And I've actually got a couple of my fellow coaches in the room today. I'm excited about that. I'm going to put my coach's hat on, okay? So here's what I mean. I don't want anybody to leave this room and think, wow, that was so true. And that's so inspiring that he reads his Bible. But I don't know how to do it Monday morning. So I'm going to coach you now through this, okay? So, so here's what we're going to do. I'm just going to tell you where we're going, and then we'll do it. So we're going to actually, I'm going to give you some practical handles the two biggest things, I think, that will help you read the Bible daily. And then we're actually going to put a new passage of Scripture up on the screen, and I'm going to let you try it for yourself. Um, and, in fact, I didn't even tell Anna, Anna Maria. If, some, if somebody could come up later, not now, but, like, later and just play some music so it's not super awkward when we're, we're doing that, that would be great. And then we're going we're gonna to discuss it. We're going to debrief and say, hey, what went well, what was challenging, and then what's your plan for tomorrow? So you're going to leave here today knowing how to read the Bible and having done it, okay? So here's the bit, if you're taking notes, and I want to encourage you, in fact, I haven't even led you well because I didn't tell you to do this yet, please take out your phone right now. Take out your phone, take out your journal, take out something to write with because not only is this going to bless you and help you, but some of you, you've been reading the Bible for decades. You've been reading the Bible daily longer than I've been born. Uh, You could give a much better and thorough presentation of how to read the Bible. I'm not really trying to do that today, but here's, here's my challenge to you. If you're thinking, man, I already know how to do all this. How many people have you trained to read their Bible? Not only are you doing it, but how many people have you trained to do it? Do you have a way to do it? And then have a way to do it in a way that they can do it with someone else. I'm going to give you that way today. So if you're taking notes, uh, here's the first thing we need to do. Have a plan. Have a plan. So there's pretty much three parts to your plan. You can just answer these three questions. When, where, and what? When am I going to read my Bible? Where am I going to read my Bible? And what am I going to read? So let's just talk through this. So when, it's really simple. There's only really three options. You're going to read in the morning, afternoon, or evening. Somewhere in there, okay? So for some of you, you can't do the night, you can't do the afternoon. you got to do it before school, before work. Wake up early, sit down, read the Bible. Some of you, that'll work for some of you. Others of you, like Preston, I cannot wake up early. I got kids. We're just doing good to get out the door and no one's killed each other. Like, I can't do the morning. That's okay. There's nothing necessarily more spiritually holy about doing it in the morning. Maybe you need to do it in the afternoon. So for some of you, maybe... If you're in school right now, if you're a student, when you come home, what do you do? You come home, if you're anything like me, you'll probably throw your backpack down, you grab an oatmeal cream pie, Coca-Cola, whatever you do, snack of choice, goldfish, and then you get on the video games, and you're boom, 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 I'm playing video games. So if you're a student, maybe the very first thing you could do is just come home from school, still get that oatmeal cream pie, still get that Coca-Cola, and sit down and read the Bible for 10, 15 minutes. Nothing crazy. Just simple. As soon as you get home, boom, read the Bible, and then go play video games. Uh, for some of you, maybe it's the evening. Maybe for you, you just crawl into your bedroom at the end of the day, and you lay in the bed, and you reach over, and your Bible's there, and you read a couple of pages, and you fall asleep. And that's okay. That's fine. If that's where you're at in the season of life, then just read the Bible right before you go to sleep. That's okay. So the first question is, when am I going to do this? When works for me in my season of life? The second thing is, where? 
So picture in your mind tomorrow, Monday, tomorrow, picture, is it morning time, is it afternoon time, is it evening, whenever's going to work for you, think through that. Now picture yourself where you're at when you're reading the Bible. I know for myself, I'm going to wake up in the morning if, if all goes, well, actually, no, I'm not because my schedule changed tomorrow. Never mind. Usually what I do is I'll wake up in the morning and the first thing is I'll wake up and I'm going to get a cup glass of water and I'm going to sit down at our table and I'm going to have a journal and my Bible and a pen. Probably I'm going to even have to get a cup of coffee to get, to get me through the morning. And then I'm just going to read the Bible. Uh, I'm, I'm at my coffee table in the morning. For some of you, you'll be at your coffee table. For some of you, it's commuting on the way to work. You can't even read the Bible. You don't even have enough time to read it, but you can listen to it as you're sitting in your car. For some of you, you don't even have enough time to do any of that, so, but you got to take a shower. Please, take a shower. And so when you take a shower, you crank up your, your speaker, and you listen to the Bible as you're taking a shower. Um, for some of you, some of you, you're going to get to work early, you're going to beat traffic, or you're going to be done with work, and you're going to get into your truck or whatever, and you're just sitting in your car, and you pull out your Bible app, and you read the Bible. Maybe you're in your car. Wherever you are, it doesn't matter. Just find a place that works for you. And then the last thing is, what am I going to read? What am I going to read? Okay, so I, I'm going to tell you guys, this is just, again, this is not a silver bullet, magic, one way to do it. There's a ton, ton of different ways you can do this. But I'm just going to tell you what I found and what I think works and makes, uh, makes sense to me. Okay, so this is, this is how my brain works. I don't read like the verse of the day, okay? If you read the verse of the day, that's great. I'm glad you're reading the verse of the day. But here's what I would encourage you to think about. Don't stay reading the verse of the day only for the rest of your life. Maybe start by reading the verse of the day, but then build on that over time. All right, so why? Well, because typically you're probably going to read the Bible out of context if you don't, like, read it as it was written, okay? <laughs> so here's my way of thinking. This is one book. It's also a library of 66 books. There's a bunch of different genres. I mean, this is, it's over thousands of years, tons of authors written on different continents and three languages. I mean, this is a, this is a difficult book. So what makes sense to me is I'm going to take a book of the Bible, in this case, 1 Peter. I'm just going to take a book of the Bible because God inspired an author to write a letter. And usually when I get a letter, I read the letter. I don't read one part of the letter and then read another part of another letter and then run, read one sentence of another letter. I just read the letter. So I take 1 Peter, for example, and then here's how I think through it. I think through, are there units of thought? In other words, is there a chunk? Is there a passage? Is there a section that has some sort of cohesive thought that I could read? So maybe, maybe one morning, maybe I read the whole book of 1 Peter. Maybe I have enough time that morning. I read, I think there's five chapters. I read all five chapters, whatever. But maybe that morning I don't have time to do that. That's okay. It's just about connecting with God. But maybe what I would do is I would look and I would see these headings in my Bible. Are those inspired? No, they're not. They're just there for helpful, helping us to see what verses are, are there. But I'm going to say, okay, chapter 1, this is a really small, that's, that's a greeting and it's really small. I think I could read more than that. Okay, so then I look and see, okay, this is actually a good chunk here. This is to verse 12, and it says a living hope. So maybe I'm going to read starting 1 Peter chapter 1 through verse 12 this morning in my time with God. 
or this afternoon or this evening when I'm sitting down at my coffee table or wherever, I'm just going to read that. And so if you can think, and in fact, I'm going to ask you to do it right now. Would you take a second to think, what time tomorrow am I going to read the Bible? Where am I going to be tomorrow when I read my Bible? And what passage of scripture am I going to read? If you don't know, you can think on the passage. I'd throw out, I, t- I tend to like starting with Jesus. So when people ask me, hey, where would you start? I'd say, hey, start with Jesus. That's about as good a place you can get. So I might read Mark chapter 1, verses 1 through 15. If you're like, I don't know, just tell me something. We've got Bible reading plans in the Bible app. There's plans. You don't have to think about it. But just think about when am I going to read tomorrow, where am I going to read, and what am I going to read. So go ahead and actually write that down. Go ahead and take a second. I'm going to give you about 30 seconds. Write that down. Awesome. Okay, you might still be working. That's okay. Just kind of give me a little nod or something or a thumbs up. Are we good? You got a plan? Okay, so Lord willing, everybody, when you leave this morning, you have a plan to read the Bible tomorrow. Okay, all right, I'm going to be honest. Anna Marie, I'm sorry, I should have told you this ahead of time. I got a little bit more, and then come on back up, unless you want to stand here for a long time. Okay, she's, she's great. She's got it. All right, um, okay, second thing that you're going to do. You got a plan. Now, you actually sit down. You actually uh, get to the place where you say, okay, carved out some time. Now, what do I do? (laughs) So, again, a bunch of things you can do, but here's the big idea I would say ask questions. Ask questions. So, of course, I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, please, you know, help me receive what you have for me, help me to hear and obey you teach me speak to me of course I'm doing that but then when I I'm just gonna read the passage I'm gonna read it and I'm gonna ask questions of it as I go through it okay so here's the three questions that I ask I think this is super helpful what does it say you can write this down take a picture of it whatever what does it mean and how does it apply what does it say that's observation what does it mean that's interpretation how does it apply that's application so a couple things. One, there's other questions, yes. But when it comes down, to, for me personally, the basics, this really is the essentials for me. Do I do one, two, three? No. I just kind of do it as it flows, as it happens. But as I started kind of thinking this way, it took me some reps of doing it kind of in a very strict progression, if that makes sense. But, like, the more I've done it, it just, I naturally, intuitively understand how to do this, okay? So just to, to help you realize, you actually have already done this this morning. You might have not realized it, but when we read 1 Peter chapter 1, verses uh, 22 through chapter 2, verse 3, we did all three of these things. So we were reading the passage, and I asked questions like, uh, what did Peter say? Love one another constantly. Why? 
Why did he say to love one another constantly? Because you've been born again. So those are examples of the first question. It's observation. It's just, I'm saying, what does it actually say? So here, if I'm going to double click into this, I'm going to make this even more simple. When you read the Bible, you say, what does it say? But then you ask five more questions. You ready? This is crazy. This is complicated. You've never thought of this. This is going to revolutionize your Bible reading. Who, what, when, where, why? Who? Who? Who's in this passage? Who are they speaking to? What did they say? What were they doing? Where were they at when it happened? How did the people respond? Why did they do that? Right? Like, it's just basic. I'm like a detective pouring over a crime scene. I'm trying to see everything that I can, right? So you start with that. What does it say? Who, what, when, where, why? The second question is, what does it mean? What does it mean? Now, again, we actually did this through 1 Peter chapter 1 because I said, what did Peter mean when he said born again? What did he mean when he said that? And then we explained it, right? So as I'm reading a passage, some of it just makes sense, right? Like you, you understand what most of it means probably in a given passage. But then there's going to be certain words or there's going to be certain phrases where it's like, okay, wait, what, what did the author mean? And notice I didn't say, what does this mean to you? Although that sounds really good. That probably feels good to ask that. I didn't ask, hey, what does this mean to you? I said, hey, what did Peter mean when he wrote that, when he used that word? What did he mean? I'm going to pause to give you guys who are a little bit advanced. This is, this is for free, okay? But this is uh, for you guys who are advanced. Here's a little bit bigger picture on this. How do you interpret the Bible? I think this is the hardest question of the three. And here's how you can do it once you've kind of gotten used to this. So when you come across something in a passage and you're wondering, am I really understanding this correctly? Like, am I really getting what the author meant by this? Here's the three kind of things that, that I'll do. And I think this, this will be really helpful to you. The first is when I think something, I'm going to test it. I'm going to go biggest to smallest. So I'm going to test it with the forest down to the tree. In other words, I'm going to say, okay, when I think in light of the whole Bible, which is kind of difficult to do if you don't really know a lot of the Bible, uh, that's why I'm saying it's harder. In light of what I know about the rest of the Bible, is that right? So when I'm thinking, what did Peter mean when he said born again? I'm thinking through, okay, born again, where's that kind of, John chapter 3, uh, Acts chapter 2, whatever it is, these passages in the rest of the Bible. So I'm like, okay, yeah, that checks out in my mind. A new heart, forgiveness of sins, filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the first thing. I think about the whole Bible. Am I, am I understanding this correctly? The next thing I think about is I think about the book or the letter. So I would read 1 Peter, which I did before preparing to preach the sermon, and I typically do depending on the book, and I read the whole book, and I say, okay, in light of what Peter said throughout this whole letter, am I understanding this right? Is that what he means? And then the final thing, Bible, the letter you're reading, then I come down to, the passage right before and the passage right after the one that I'm reading, the immediate context. And I think, okay, yes, is that, is that his flow of thought? Yes, is that what he's saying? Okay, I'm tracking. Okay, we'll see what happened after. Yeah, okay. All right, I got it. Okay, does that make sense? Good. All right, the last question is how does it apply? Okay, how does it apply? So this is where the rubber meets the road. So for some of us, uh, 
we read the Bible and we ask every type of question except this. And we've been trained to just think, learn more stuff, learn more stuff, learn more stuff. And like I've said before, we're just brains on a stick. We're just walking around all this Bible knowledge and we're proud and we're arrogant and we're puffed up. Knowledge puffs up. But what we have to do when we read the Bible is we say, God, what do you want me to hear and what do you want me to do? How do I live differently in light of this truth? And so here's another simple way that I think through this. So for me personally, and, and, and I should say this first, and again, we just did this in 1 Peter. So we said, okay, what did Peter tell us to do in this passage? Well, he told us to get rid of the old list of things. And then he said, desire the pure milk of the word. Okay, how do we desire the pure milk of the word? Well, I got to ask God, God, would you give me that desire? Holy Spirit, would you change my heart to give me the taste buds for the pure milk of the word? And then how do I do it? I actually read the Bible daily. That's how I do it. So that's how we applied it, right? So here's how I would think through it, if you're taking notes. When I read a passage tomorrow and I think, how do I apply this? I think through my head, my heart, and my hands. My head, my heart, and my hands. I think, how do I need to think differently? What desires need to change in me? And how do I need to do this stuff to live it out, right? So maybe your thinking was, oh, I'm good, I'm a Christian. And now you're thinking, I am a Christian, but I need to grow up. For some of you, it's, I'm desiring that list of sinful stuff that I used to. And now you're saying, I want to desire the pure milk of God's word. Maybe for some of you, your hands, you're thinking, I listen to the preacher talk once a week about the Bible. And now you're saying, you know what? I'm going to read the Bible. I'm going to try to read it every day this week. Those would be examples of application. Is this making sense? Okay. All right. Thank you, Mary. Mary's fired up back there. Let's go. I love it. Um, all right. So now's the moment that you've been waiting for. So now we're going to practice this. Okay. So. If you got your Bible, pull that back out. If you got your Bible app, or if you just want to look up on the screen, you can do that too. So we're going to take Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 20. And I'm going to give you about three minutes to ask those three questions. What does it say? What does it mean? How does it apply? What does it say? Who, what, when, where, why? Just ask all those questions. Write, take notes. If you, if you can, just write it down on your phone. Write it down in your journal. Uh, what does it mean? Is there a phrase or two that you think, hmm, what did that mean? I might want to unpack that or think on that, chew on that a little bit more. And then finally, how does it apply? What is a specific, concrete, tangible thought, desire, or action that you will take this week in light of Matthew chapter 4? Three minutes, ready?
All right, now we're gonna debrief this together just to make sure that we're actually getting this, okay? So, and let's just leave the passage up. Sorry, Mary, let's leave the passage up real quick. Okay, we're just gonna yell this stuff out. So if you're new, you're allowed to yell stuff out here. If you yell the wrong answer, it's okay. We will not burn you at the stake. It's not heresy. It's okay. So, all right, looking at this passage together, we'll start with the first question. What does it say? So we're going to talk through the five questions about that. So who's in this passage? Jesus. Who else? Simon and Andrew. Okay, so there's, there's three people in this passage right now, okay? Where were they? The Sea of Galilee. What was Jesus doing? He was walking. So Jesus is walking along the Sea of Galilee, and he saw these two brothers, Simon and Andrew. What were they doing? They were fishing. What did Jesus say to them? Follow me. I'll make you fish for people. So for shorthand, follow me, fish for people, okay? How did they respond? Immediately, they did what? Followed him, left their nets, left everything, followed him. You guys are Bible-reading masters. Great job. That was step one. That's right. That's right. So, you, But you just proved that you can do this. You did it right now. You can do it tomorrow. You already did it. So you did the first question. What does it say? Okay. The second question, what does it mean? Are there a couple of phrases that you might say, hmm, what does that mean? Yell those phrases out. Follow me. Fish for people. Pretty much every other thing, we know what that stuff means, right? Like we know what those words mean. But what did Jesus mean when he said, follow me? What did Jesus mean when he told them, fish for people? So right now, let's work it out together. Just yell out, what did, not what do you mean, what, what did Jesus mean when he said, follow me? Let's start with that. What do you mean? Have faith. What else? Obey. What else? Choose me. What else? Trust. What else? Physically, come with me. Jesus is walking around places, and he's saying, hey, come along. Follow me, right? What else? Act as he act. Follow his teaching. Okay, this is great. Okay, now think about this. Jesus told them, follow me. So whatever Jesus meant when he told them to follow me is the same thing that he means now when he invites you and me to follow him. So it's really important we understand what he meant then. So when he said, follow me, yeah, he meant literally walk around with me. Now he's at the right hand of God right now, so we can't physically walk around Jerusalem or wherever with Jesus. But the Holy Spirit lives in us, and so we are walking in the Spirit. Another thing, though, is that he's a rabbi. He's a teacher. And so when he says, follow me, they're going to walk around with him and listen to him teach and talk about life. And so he's saying, hey, follow me and, and listen to my teachings. Believe my view of the world. And so for us today, how much time are we spending reading or listening to the things Jesus said, the things Jesus taught? Do we believe that? Do we believe that about marriage? Do we believe that about money? Do we believe that about stress and anxiety? Do we know what Jesus taught and do we actually trust what he taught? Another thing is Jesus was doing stuff. He was actually... He was healing people. He was teaching. He was serving the least of these. And so it, when Jesus says, follow me, he's saying, watch what I do and imitate me. So how much time do we spend in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and read what did Jesus do and how can I do that in my everyday life? 
How much time do we spend doing that, right? So that's great, great job. What did he mean? Follow me. All the stuff you guys said, trust me, obey me, all that stuff. What did he mean when he said fish for people? Yell it out. Bring people to him, to Jesus. What else? Make more disciples of Jesus. What else? Share his word with them. What else? Rescue them. Yes. So here's what's interesting. This is really interesting to me. So I was at Chantilly last week, and when I asked them, uh, you guys are better. No, I'm kidding. But when, I'm kidding. Okay. What, what, what some of them said is teach them. That was actually the first thing that was said like three times. But what was said first here was actually different. It actually started with lead people to Jesus, make new disciples of Jesus, rescue them, or whatever else we said. Here's what's interesting. Fishing for people has two parts. We've already talked about it. We got to get people in and we got to grow people up. We've got to cooperate with the word and spirit of God as the people of God, and we've got to influence or persuade or lead people to turn from sin and trust Jesus. And then we didn't say this, but here's a really concrete thing that we all can do for followers of Jesus. You baptize people. That's what we do, right? You can do that, not just me. And then what do we do? We help them grow up in their faith in Jesus. So we help them read the teachings of Jesus in the Bible. We help them obey God. We help them use their spiritual gifts in the church. We help them build loving relationships and live out the one another's. We, we help them do that. So both of those things is a part of fishing for people, okay? So, um, gosh, man, you guys are so spiritual. I knew it. I knew it. I believed in you. Um, okay, so at this point, you have answered two questions. What does it say? What did it mean? Now, here's the last one. How does it apply so you can either take follow me or you can take fish for people, I don't care, and just yell out what is a concrete, specific action step, your head, your heart, your hands, that you will take this week in light of what you just read. Ready? Yell it out. Stay close to Jesus, okay? Now, which, which of those two buckets, follow or fish? Follow. Okay, someone give me a fish example real quick. Share your story. Okay, great. Okay, pause. Now I'm going to ask some further questions, not to be confrontational, but <laughs> to, just, to just help us begin to think about how to take a general application and personalize it more. Does that make sense? Okay, so you said stay close to Jesus. Is that right, Kelly? Okay, so how? Okay, so now I'm going to go back to the questions we did our plan earlier. Okay, tomorrow, uh, when? First thing in the morning. Okay, where? Dining room table, potentially. Uh, do you know what passage you'll read or what you'll read? Jesus Calling. Boom. Okay, so that is a great example of application because there's specificity. The likelihood of her doing that is through the roof because she's got a plan. Okay, and then I think, did Kate or who, who yelled? Oh, share your story. Somebody share your story. Kate, I can't see him. Where'd he go? Oh, he's standing back there. I was like, is he hiding? Is he afraid of me? I don't know what's happening. Cade, hey, um, so you said share your story is an example of how you will fish for people. All right. Who will you share your story with this week? A teammate. Okay. So notice, the, and again, this is a good thing. I'm not critiquing. The vagueness, the fuzziness, and we've all done it. I've done it. I'm going to share my story. 
With who? If you say, and I, and I asked somebody this last week, I said, who are you going to share with? It? She said, everybody. And I sat there for a second, I said, everybody? And so I started to go through the list with her for a second. I said, where are you going to go when church is over? And she said, oh, I'm going to pick my kids up from Kids Zone. I said, so you're going to share with all of them? She said, yeah. So where are you going to go when you go home? She said, oh, my neighborhood. I said, are you going to share with all your neighbors? Yeah, I'm going to go there. I said, where? And I said, do you get what I'm saying? Like, if you say I'm going to share with everybody, I guarantee you if you show back up next week, he ain't going to share with nobody. That sounds really spiritual, but that is not realistic. We're not going to share with everybody. That's crazy. A teammate. Okay. Do you have, it's okay if you don't, but do you have like a specific teammate that comes to mind? What's their name? Just yell out the first name. You don't remember the first name? Okay. Uh, what's a quality of what they look like? A hair color or something? Blonde. Okay. See, you might even see a waiter or waitress. You don't know their name, but you know, hey, it's that blonde waiter or waitress. I'm going to share. Okay. And then you could keep going through, well, when are you going to see your teammates this week? Well, I'm not going to see him this day. I'm not going to see him. This. Oh, I'm going to see him this day. Okay. Boom. So now Cade would have a plan of a specific person, probably a day of the week. And when you say your story, what do you mean when you say you're going to share your story with your teammate? Just the gist of it. Your life in Christ. So like how you came to faith and now your life in Christ. Perfect. He's got a plan. Does that make sense? So you can do this. You've just done it with that passage. We did it in the passage of 1 Peter. You can do it tomorrow. All right, so here's what I want to finish by doing. We're going to discuss. If you are a really introverted person, first of all, can we lock the door so we close the door? No, I'm kidding. Um, no, if you're a really introverted person, um, I want to give you permission. I know some of you really are very introverted, and I want to give you permission that uh, you don't have to turn to a stranger. You don't have to talk to somebody about this. It's okay. Uh, please don't leave the room. That's okay. You know, just, it's okay. Um, if you want to get on your phone, if you want to read the Bible, if you want to pray, if you want to just fake it and talk about something else, I don't care. But just want to give you permission. Don't freak out. Um, and then, yeah, so here's two questions that we're going to discuss. We'll throw them up on the screen. What was helpful? So just take like 30 seconds each. Be really quick on this one. Just what was something that helped you as you practiced? And then what's your plan for tomorrow? So just like Callie did, just share when, where, and what you're going to read with somebody next to you. So it could be a stranger, spouse, friend. Turn to somebody right now and take about 60 seconds each and discuss. Ready, go.
you stand with me real quick? Thank you guys for doing that. I hope that was helpful. If it was, give me a thumbs up or something, a little noise or a smile or something. Okay, great. Awesome. All right. All right. Um, that's it. So I'm going to pray, and then uh, the kids are probably going crazy back there because we went over time. But, um, yeah, you have a plan. You know what to do. You can go do this. Read God's word daily this week. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this time together, Lord. I pray that, God, this was helpful, that people leave desiring the pure milk of your word and that they feel confident that they have a plan. They know how to ask questions. They can read the Bible daily. And, God, if they're in a life group or in a Bible reading group, would you use that community as well to help, help us learn together, um, God, and help us to become more like Jesus. Grow us up in our salvation through this. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.